Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 58. Life has no meaning. Football matters uh, very little to me at this point, but we're going to dive in to our winners and losers of the week. I'm sure you could guess who mine's going to be before I even start in on them, but I have my co-host with me as, as per usual. Want to want to ask how they're doing? How are you guys doing, Casey and Matthew Durgan? I'm I'm doing good. Uh, the Packers won, but like all my games pick game picks uh, were incorrect. Mm-hmm. A very very low uh, shooting percentage this week for for me on the on the game picks. But other than that, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a tough week in fantasy, but the Packers won, so it it makes up for for some of that. Yeah, it makes well, up for most of that. You may have shot like Shaquille O'Neal from the free throw line, but I was shooting from Shaquille O'Neal in the paint as I was five and one <laughs> on podcast picks this week. So life is good. Niners are still injured, but they won. So go me. Did we did we pick the same picks last week, Casey, on the games of the week? We're both three they and did. three. They did. Yeah, we you did. did. Yeah. Okay. All right. We were All in right. sync. I'm gonna have you to just the pick, the, pick the opposite of what you pick and look at what you <laughs> what you pick and change it up. Um. Yeah, Durgan. Durgan's having a good season with his picks. He's leading us in the overall uh, pick 'em. We're we're keeping track of that this year. And then he uh, five and one from the games of the week last week. Props to you, Durgan. You're doing well. Um. Another reason you should follow right. his betting tips on Twitter. That's right. You might win ten some and money. Six. Ten and ten six, and six so on far. the year. That's not bad. Not too not shabby. Bad. Um. Let's dive into our winners and losers of the week from week three. Interesting week uh, and unfortunate week for some teams, but let's start on the the winning side of the ball. We have some some cool storylines. Uh, Durgan, we'll start with you. Who do you got winning as a winner this week? Yeah, so the winner this week in my eyes is the Chicago Bears. Three and zero somehow, some way. They might be the worst three and zero team in NFL history, but that doesn't matter. They're still three and zero. They got lucky with that week one win against the Lions and. Kind of got lucky again playing the Atlanta Falcons, who are absolute train wreck right now. Another huge fourth quarter lead they blew. But Nick Foles, he's the guy now. Trubisky seems to be finally out. Uh, they, they tried with them, but he looked so bad first half of that game. Went with Foles, turned things around really quickly. Uh, big injury out, uh, person out for them is uh, Trick Cohen, who tore his ACL. Uh, that's not good for them in terms of their passing attack. But David Montgomery... Has looked good this year, and Allen Robinson quietly one of the better receivers in the league. And that defense is still good, not as good as it has been so far, but still very good. Uh, they're taking advantage of their easy schedule, but you can't fault them for that. They've beaten who they've been scheduled. Now things get a little tougher for them, playing the Colts and the Bucks next two weeks. So we'll actually get to see how good they are. Uh, spoiler alert: I don't think they're very good at all. But at this point, they're in first place, so you can't uh, rag on them too much. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say most 3-0 and teams right now, aside from the, the Chiefs, are not very convincing 3-0 and teams. Um, yep. I mean, the Titans have squeaked by for basically every single week this, this, this year. Um, the Packers just beat up on the Vikings and the Lions, who are not very good, and a Saints team that you know doesn't have Michael Thomas and Drew Brees doesn't look fantastic. Um, and... You know the, the Steelers are are winning close-ish games, but not dominating anyone. That defense is really good, but overall, uh, it, you know, if you get to three and zero, you get to three and zero, and those games yep. count for something, especially in the NFC. Uh, you never know when those will matter down the line, and um, you can't drop the games that you're you're supposed to win, or you have an opportunity to win at the end, like the Falcons are, because that's gonna that's gonna bite you in a very deep NFC class this year. 
Did you mention the Seahawks, Casey, and the three and O teams that you were listing off? I I did not, but they barely so, beat the, the Cowboys. Well, their defense Patriots, gives me Patriots. concern. Yeah, their their defense gives me concern for yeah. for the Seahawks. I wouldn't say they're a convincing three and O team. That's fair, but at the same time, I'd say the Chiefs' defense gives me concern as well, to a degree. Um, just so happens that they outscore the pace of any other team that's able to do anything. But um, the Seahawks are looking pretty damn convincing to me. I mean, on offense, yeah, defense on offense is a defense has given the most yards for a three and O team in NFL history. Like that defense is bad right now. Yeah, they just don't have a pass rush. I mean, I, I think it reminds me a little bit of the 2015 Packers. I know everyone remembers the 2015 Packers. Uh, <laughs> How could I they forget? Went fi- they went 15 and, and or no, the the 2011, I guess. So right after the Super Bowl, they went 15 and one, had one of the best offenses in the league, uh, setting records left and right. But that defense was like ranked 31st or something like that, and they just were. You know, getting out to these huge leads and banking on that, and teams were having to pass against them, so they turned one-dimensional. But uh, then they got to the playoffs and got beat by the Giants, who are uh, a more balanced team. And that's sort of what the Seahawks remind me of. They have this, you know, all-world quarterback that's playing really, really well. Um, but eventually, I think that defense is going to let them down at some point down the road. Yeah, um, bringing it back to the Bears a little bit too. I, I'm a big Matt Nagy fan. I think he's he's going to do good things with Nick Foles. It's good to see. Uh, it's good and also a little bitter to see Nick Foles come out and lead a comeback victory for the Bears. But, um, you know, props to them. They earned that win. I mean, that was a tough win. It was probably the, the toughest win. Um, it's, inter- it's interesting because two of their wins have been sort of come from behind. Um, so yeah. we'll see We'll see what happens down the line with the Bears. I don't think they'll keep up this 3-0 and pace, and they'll probably revert to the mean a bit. But let's keep it in the NFC North. You touched on the Packers a little bit, Casey. I have a feeling who your winner is this week. Why don't you take us through your winner? Yeah, I've resisted taking my own team as the winner the first two weeks, so I, I had to do it this week because if, if we beat up on the, the Falcons, you know, no one's going to give us credit for that anyway. So <laughs> might as well do it right after we beat the Saints. Uh, Matt LaFleur is doing really, really well. Um, he's 16-3, and three, which is tied for the best uh, over nineteen game a 19-game start uh, in NFL history. So... Um, he he's gotten those Packers to a hot start. They were six nine and one when he tur- he took the the Packers over after Mike McCarthy left. Um, the Packers' offensive line hasn't surrendered a sack all year. Um, Aaron Rodgers has taken two sacks, but that uh, responsibility has been towards uh, the running backs uh, in that department. So the offensive line is playing really well, even though they lost Brian Balaga in free agency. Uh, and they, they scored 37 points on the Saints. They scored over 40 the week, two weeks prior. They did it without Devontae Adams this, this week. Um, my biggest concern is really the defense because uh, it doesn't seem like they have a ton of life. And I think they're really missing the loss of, of Kenny Clark. So hopefully he comes back soon because he eats up double teams in the middle. Uh, he helps the run defense, and he allows Zadarius and Preston Smith to, to make plays on the outside and, and get sacks and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but otherwise, really good start for Matt LaFleur. He's scheming stuff up, doing a really good job there. Um, and he's not getting a ton of recognition, um, which is a little bit weird considering how good the Packers are playing now. Um, but uh, they're, they're my winner this week. Yeah, we ragged. They, they deserve it for sure. You, you're going to rag on someone, Durgan, as per usual? Go ahead. <laughs> no, we, we were ragging <laughs> on the Packers wide receivers or lack thereof all offseason. But Alan Lazard looks like a player. 
he had a great game against the uh, Saints. And Saints have a pretty good secondary, so you can't say, oh, they have a bad defense. Defense and hole might be bad, but that secondary is probably the strength of that defense. I still think they're missing one kind of speedy gadget player. But overall, Aaron Rodgers looks great. So I can't complain. Yeah. I mean, he looks a lot yeah. better. Uh, he says the Saints, they're missing uh, Michael Thomas. But that's still, I mean, that's a good team. Even if they're missing yeah. Michael Thomas, that's a really good team you're beating. So good for the Packers. I mean, they're 3-0. Uh, the Falcons game, I'm worried that might be a trap game. So Yeah, I'm a little worried too. That, 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 that game it seems way too easy for the Packers to win that you think actually the Falcons might pull off a win or keep it close. So don't, that might be don't my worry. betting picks. Don't worry, guys. But, uh, the Falcons no. will come out to a hot start and then give away the game. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, true. That is the one Probably true. shining light. Even if they get behind, I, I won't give up on the Packers until, yeah. you know, it's, the fourth quarter is completely over. Yeah, I mean, listen, back to what you said about LaFleur not getting enough credit. I think this is probably, it's close to the best start a new head coach has ever had, and, and especially, probably specifically in Green Bay. And Green Bay has had a lot of good coaches, had a lot of good teams throughout the years. So it's very encouraging, and you like to see this. You know, a lot of people were were saying that the Packers had a really bad draft, but when you got Aaron Rodgers playing at the level that Aaron Rodgers can play at, you don't you don't need anything else really. I mean, you you see it's, there's a difference this year with Aaron Rodgers than there was last year, and it's probably more intangible than anything. It looks like there's a fire kind of lit under his ass, and he's he's ready to go, and he's making plays that you would see him make a lot like f- five years ago, prime Aaron Rodgers, and. Uh, it's it's very evident when a quarterback makes players around him better um, versus a game manager type quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers has always done that. There was question marks last year, but he seems like he's back to doing that this year. Um, and also want to give a quick plug to Casey, who did a video breakdown on Alan Lazard. If you're watching that game and you're wondering, man, who's this guy? Where did he come from? And you want to learn a little bit more about him? Casey's got you. Check out our YouTube. Um, we have some info there as far as uh, Lazard goes. But let's go on to the third well first off you have any other anything else casey you want to touch on with this very exciting victory and uh packers <laughs> in general uh, no uh packers are the best go okay. pack go uh, okay well I, I regret asking you now but that's fine uh real quick touch on this alvin kamara might be the best running back in the league when christian mccaffrey we don't you know christian mccaffrey's injured dude was balling best contact balance i've ever seen anyways my winner yeah you know I I can't say Russell Wilson every single week, even though he deserves it. I, a quick shout out to him: almost seventy-seven percent completion rate on the season, nine hundred and twenty-five yards, almost hit a thousand yards already. Fourteen touchdowns, one interception. I mean, he's 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 gunning for that MVP. Quick shout out to him. But since I can't just keep picking Russell Wilson over and over, I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, they established their dominance against a team that many consider to be right up there with them as you know either the best or the second best in the AFC. They really controlled the game from start to finish um, on on Monday night. And after a shaky performance against the Chargers, you know, Mahomes comes back and does what Mahomes does and balled out. And, uh, you know, something something to keep in mind, too, Clyde Edwards-Alaire changes this offense. He adds a new dynamic to this team, and it's almost not fair. I, mem- I remember you texted me, Casey. You were like, the Chiefs being able to run the ball is just now it's just unfair. It's, it's who's, What yeah. can you take away, really? Where, where can you, you know, kind of shut down – um, and game plan against this team you just can't really and this is one of the best defenses in the league and they were able they weren't able to do anything against the Chiefs um, you know Mahomes 385 yards four touchdowns to four different receivers spreading the ball around had a rushing touchdown as well 
You look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire's stats, not amazing on the ground. You know, 20 carries, 64 yards, 3.2 yards per carry. It's nothing, you know, to write home about, but just the threat of having a guy there that can run adds a whole new dynamic to this team. And in the passing game, he had 70 yards. So I'm I'm scared. You know, it's people say it's hard for teams to repeat and, and win the Super Bowl two years in a row. If any team can do it, it's unfortunately looking like it's probably the Chiefs at this point. Yeah, they look uh, sort of head and shoulders above everyone else, especially in the in the AFC. Um, if you thought the Ravens were the the main contender there, uh, it would appear that they are not. Much to Durgan's happiness, I'm sure, uh, seeing <laughs> Lamar Jackson bumble around and fumble the ball a couple of times and uh, have a pretty bad outing against that Kansas City defense. Um, and the Ravens started really well. They had a really good opening drive, and then all all of a sudden it just sort of disappeared. And they're clearly not a team that's built to, to come from behind and uh, win these kinds of, of shootouts and, and claw their way back into games, um, even though they sort of did towards the end of the game. And uh, Kansas City responded and scored a touchdown, and that was uh, sort of it. But uh, I don't really see anyone that's going to be able to compete with, with Kansas City. Maybe the Steelers' defense can keep them in check. Um I think they sort of have the best chance to to trade blow for blows on defense, and maybe Big Ben can do enough. But the Chiefs look strong, man. I mean, before I give all the credit to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I gotta point out the running back Jackson, his 97 yards passing. I mean, absolute fire performance from the former uh, MVP. Notice how ESPN's Twitter was quite uh, quiet last night in terms of uh, praise for Lamar Jackson. So I absolutely love seeing that. But they're, they're the best team in the league. Uh, I predicted them to repeat as Super Bowl champions. And that's because of Patrick Mahomes, the baddest man in the league. You can't stop him. It, there's just no way to stop him. And like you said, you throw in uh, Edwards Elaire in there. There's no way this team, I think, doesn't make the Super Bowl unless uh, major injuries happen. That would be to Mahomes, Hill, or Kelsey. And even then, I mean, Andy Reid's excellent coach. Steve Spagnuolo has been a defensive coordinator for a long time. He's a smart guy. He did a great job of shutting down uh, the Ravens' high octane offense. So, yeah, good for the good for the Chiefs. I mean, I, I pulled for them. I put money on them to win. So I'm quite happy with uh, how Monday Night Football went. Yeah, and I think Casey kind of touched on it. The Ravens are just not built as a come from behind team. They need to dictate the tempo of a game in order to to really yep. win it. And they did not, the man. They they basically were, you know, in a position to basically they had to do things they didn't want to do. They had to kind of get away from what their traditional game plan was. Um, they couldn't run the ball effectively, which is really what what they wanted would want to do. I mean, the Chiefs' run defense isn't the best, and if you're not able to to get that going, and that's really what you're good at, it's you're in for a long night, and it showed. So. Uh, Chiefs looking like the best team. They make it look easy. They kind of remind me of like the Warriors when they had Kevin Durant, um, just mm-hmm. stomping people. And even if you're not in the game initially, you know any any deficit is not is never insurmountable. And uh, I, I think this team has probably the the easiest road to the Super Bowl um, of of any at the at this point. I mean, I don't see anybody in the AFC giving them trouble. So yep. let's move mm-hmm. on. Oh, go ahead, Durgan. The, the one team that does give them trouble are these Ravens, and then they've won the last three matchups against them. They're 3-0 in the last three yeah. years. So when you're one quote-unquote rival, you are as dominating. It's tough to see that they can't make the, the 
Super Bowl uh, for a second straight year. Yeah, yeah, and this could be an AFC Championship preview. I mean, the Ravens are still a good team. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, but they didn't do anything to make me feel like they can stop the the uh, Chiefs. So, let's move on to the other side. Uh, let's talk about losers of the week. Who wants to give that a start? Durgan, you want to yeah, give us your loser? Let's do it. I can hype up my Niners while I can. Niners aren't my losers, but the team that they played, the New York Football Giants, are absolutely my loser of the week. Niners were down 10 starters. And the Giants still lost by 27. And it was probably the biggest blowout 27 points I've seen in a football game. Niners left points on the board. Uh, they had some long snapping issues, which is kind of weird. I hope that doesn't happen in the future. But they got doubled up in time of possession. Saquon Barkley would not make this team competitive. And Daniel Jones, as much as he showed improvement last year, he looks terrible. Yeah, the bad offensive line does not help. But the Niners don't have their two best Edge rushers and D Ford and Nick Bosa. Kerry Hyder Jr. and Deion Jordan are getting pressure on these guys. And Andrew Thomas, fourth overall pick, buddy, start playing like it. I mean, you're getting worked by guys who are average players at best. It, it was incredible. And on the defensive side, continue further for Niners. Their two cornerbacks most of the game was Jason Verrett, who has not started a game since 2017, and Dante Johnson, who is without a doubt the worst cornerback I've ever laid my eyes on. The guy is terrible. He couldn't guard a chair. He was standing there doing nothing. He's that bad. <laughs> what are you doing, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett? You have Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, who's a good player, and you just have no game plan to go deep at all. I had no idea what they were doing. Uh, this team is a four-win team at most. I think that's probably pushing it, which means that they'll be drafting inside the top 10 for the fourth straight year, and there's no end in sight, in my opinion. This team is not one player away. They are four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players away from being competitive. Well, I will say it's hard to throw deep when you have no offensive line, and they have no offensive line. So it, it's it's tough. Like you said, they, they have a ton of holes sort of everywhere, and, uh, you know, I feel for all New York football fans because, yeah, uh, you know, really the best team in New York is Buffalo because, oh, yeah. uh, number one, you know, the Jets and the Giants are technically in New Jersey. But, uh, you know, the the little step brother is all of a sudden the big dog on campus over there, um, which is kind of cool to see. But the Giants just look bad. I mean, it, there's no other way to put it. Um, they have some offensive skill guys and uh, – it's about it. So if you're uh, cruising towards that number one, number two pick, um, Daniel Jones, you know, you look a lot like Eli Manning, but uh, <laughs> I don't like think you're going to be along uh, as long as he is, or you're going to be around as long as he has been. Um, so and in tough terms road of for the, the Giants. Giants in terms of their offensive line, it's not like they've abandoned that position. They drafted Thomas first round this year. They signed Nate Soldier, who used to be good, but kind of he opted out. But he's, they signed up for the Patriots. Kevin Zeitler, at one point, was one of the best guards in the league. Will Hernandez, second round pick two years ago. Matt Pert, third round pick this year. So they're getting players that are not develop, developing them or not scouting them properly, which is an issue with Gettleman, I think, at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. 
Um, I, I feel like the Saquon Barkley injury has bigger implications than just losing a running back too. It feels like probably the wind has kind of lost, lost the sails. I don't even know if that's the expression, but it just feels like th- <laughs> this team is going to be deflated. Like the morale moving forward. I don't know. Like you lose your hands down best player on offense, uh, for the season. Like, I mean, you look at like Carolina, they lost Christian McCaffrey, but he's coming back at some point, even if it's later in the season. And uh, they won. They won this week. Yeah. And they won. Yep. And Mike Davis is not looking terrible. So, I, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate situation for the Giants. But let's be real; like the Giants aren't weren't really predicted to be a great team as it is. So, probably long term for their future. And if you're Dave Gettleman, like losing might be a, the better route, anyways. Although I will say, five and eleven might win the NFC East. So <laughs> who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, Casey, true, let's move on to your loser. Yeah, I'll I'll do mine relatively quickly because I don't have a ton to stay, say about them. But the Cardinals, man, uh, we just talked about it earlier. You cannot drop games in the NFC that you should win. And the Cardinals did just that to the Lions. And Kyler Murray threw three interceptions to a match Patricia defense, which is uh, shocking, to, to say the least, to me. Because uh, that defense looks, it's pretty vanilla. They rush three, drop eight. And that's sort of all they, they do. And uh, Murray could not get it going through the air. Um, and if they want to be considered legitimate threats to the 49ers and the Seahawks and everyone else in the NFC, you just can't lose these games. You have to win the layups. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a feeling this game might come back to bite them later on in the season when they're looking for tiebreakers and they don't have that one extra win that they need. Uh, but props to the Lions. I mean, they, they came and they played hard. And uh, even though we've all given up on Matt Patricia, it looks like that team hasn't yet. Um, yeah. When you have Matt, Matthew Stafford, you have a chance on offense, and uh, they played well. I mean, I agree with you totally. Uh, the Cardinals, disappointing. But they're a team that this seems a year away. Uh, week one, I was like, okay, maybe they're they're here. Maybe they've arrived. But what I've seen the last two weeks, they're a very talented team, and they'll win games this year. But you can't take them as a serious contender because they just don't have it all together yet. I'm not huge on Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. And Kyler Murray, he's still young. He's only 23. Um, only playing the position full-time for the last two years, too. So the team's getting there. But, yeah, one step back for sure this week. Yeah, second-year head coach, second-year QB. Mistakes will happen. That's going to be the next level for the Cardinals is consistency. Uh, and, and they'll get there. And I, I honestly believe that they are a playoff contender this year. And the talent is there. And I think they, if they can put it together throughout the season. I mean, remember... There was no offseason, really, where these guys can get prepared. And you're a, you're a second-year QB coming into the league. There's still going to be some rust, and, and you need to get that that game uh, experience. No preseason, no you know traditional OTAs. It's it's a little tough. So I still believe in the Cardinals, even though they dropped uh, this game. And, I mean, let's give the, the Lions some credit as well, um, coming up and playing well. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I still believe in the Cardinals. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not too concerned with them, but, uh, you know, to to separate the great teams, blow out the teams that they should uh, and uh, beat the teams that they should. And they they didn't this week, at least. Um, I think they'll be fine long term. I I don't expect them to miss the playoffs, but, uh, you know, you're you're sacrificing your shot at winning the division when you lose games like this. So, uh, yep. But uh, let's not delay. Let's get to the main event here, Cyrus. (laughs) Who is your loser of the week? All right, I got something for you. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. Tie, Eagles, tie. <laughs> on the road to the worst fucking season 
I have ever witnessed as an Eagles fan. Holy shit, man. Oh, man. What a shit show. Like, I literally have, I don't even know if I have words to clearly explain how I'm feeling. But to go down, march down to the field, you have a 59-yard field goal teed up, fucking offsides penalty, kicks you back five yards, you're at, you have a 64-yard field goal. Everyone and their mom is like, dude, please just try it. Like, kick the field goal. We have nothing to lose. Who cares? I mean, I get that the data probably says punt the ball, take the tie, you're a half game back in the NFC, in the weak NFC East. But man, like, imagine the the morale in that locker room right now. Doug Peterson is essentially saying, I don't believe in you guys, and it is what it is. I mean, he even said after the game he's going to look at the decision to punt the next day with with uh, clear eyes. Like, what the fuck? Are your eyes not clear during the game? What's happening, man? Like, come on. I don't know. Honestly, like, I I have so many feelings about this team this year to the point where I'm I'm conflicted, confused. I don't. I'm losing faith in Carson Wentz as is mo- as is most of the fan base, and not really sure what to do about. It. I've never seen such a stark drop drop off in accuracy from a quarterback in my life, and I've been watching football for as long as I can remember. So I don't know how to feel. I don't feel good about this game. A tie feels worse than a loss um, to me. Like there is no feeling to a tie. It just doesn't. Like I would have rather gone for the win and then lost than than tied this game. Honestly. Like, you tying to the Bengals is losing. That is losing. Like, what does this say about the rest of yep. the schedule? We have the hardest schedule in the league for the rest of the season, and you're tying to the Bengals. Speaking to what Casey said about dropping games that you can't lose, you cannot lose to the Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team. You cannot lose to the Bengals. These are games that you need to win. You look at the schedule, you count off games that are like, okay, those are games that we should have. We're, we're supposed to be a good team. We should be able to beat this team. But we tie. And it does not feel good. Oh, two and one. I don't know. I don't know. I have lost faith in this team in this season. Sure, they could turn it around, and and you know, sure, yes, the the Cowboys are one and two as well, and whoop de doo, we're a game and we're or a half game behind. But the Cowboys lost to the Rams, who we also lost to, and they lost to the Seahawks by one score. Who's a that's a really good team. So it's not the same in my mind. Uh, and this sucked, man. This sucked watching this game. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, it was, it was, yeah, I have, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you said it best. I mean, uh, I can't add too much more to that, especially since uh, they're playing the Niners this week. And I know if I talk crap, they'll win for sure. But, uh, yeah, frustrating times for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, we talked a little bit earlier about the Niners being decimated by injuries, but the the Eagles are as well, and I think it's all just sort of coalescing into uh, a lackluster performance. And then Carson Wentz is sort of the epicenter of the poor performance. So if one of these things were happening with the bad offensive line, the injuries at the skill positions, uh, all that kind of stuff, if one of those things was happening and Carson Wentz was fine, you know, the Eagles would be able to overcome. Um, but Carson Wentz is not playing to his normal level of play. Um, I'll, I'll be doing a video breakdown on what's going on, on with him and the Eagles, and it's it's sort of a coalescing of, of a lot of things uh, that are sort of centered around Wentz. Um, but it's, it's concerning for sure. He's still got that magic. I mean, we still see a few plays a game where he runs around in the pocket and makes uh, an insane throw. He can make people miss. Uh, he's running people over in the run game when he's scrambling and uh, 
you know, he had a really clutch throw on a corner in, in overtime to put the Eagles into field goal position before they eventually got that uh, false start. Um, but, you know, it's it's a hard trek ahead of them. They got the 49ers, and they got the Ravens, they got the Steelers. So uh, if and they the can Packers. come out of that, <laughs> yeah, a little bit longer down the road. The but uh, Yeah, but if, if you get, if you claw your way back in, you'll have earned it. So, um you know, Doug Doug Peterson's got to be fearless again. It seems like he was a little fear fearful this game, and uh, it's time for him to to read his own book and uh, push the envelope <laughs> envelope a little bit again and uh, start taking chances. Because because why not? That can be their thing again this year, and just you know be super aggressive, take chances, and and push push the data and uh, do what you can. Yeah, there has to be a balance between aggressiveness and database decisions. I mean, dude, like. <sighs> You have nothing to lose at this point. So you got to go all in and just do what you can cuz not kicking that field goal just man was that deflating. Like Jake Elliott's career long, he hit a 61-yarder to win a game against the Giants in 2017. That field goal, I rewatched it, probably could have been made from 64. So it's not as if he doesn't have the leg to do it. Sure, the chances are slim, but the chances of him hitting a 59-yard field goal are probably just as slim. So what changed? I mean, five yards, sure, great. Less likely, but marginally. Like, he probably could have missed either way. So why not just take that shot? And worst-case scenario, the Bengals have it on the ni- on the 45-yard, on your own 45-yard line and try to take it down and get a field goal of their own, fine. But your defense has played very well. I mean, they had, they had, I think they were pushing double-digit sacks through the game. And they were playing phenomenally. Your offense was just the worst. I, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I will say, I think the issue or the worry with the, the longer kick is that you have to lower the trajectory to be able to get the distance. And that leads to more opportunity for a block. And I remember a few years ago when the Browns were about to beat the uh, the Ravens. To, it might have been an overtime or at like the very end of regulation, and they had a long field goal, uh, and the Ravens blocked it, picked it up, and returned it for a touchdown, and they lost. Um, so the worst-case scenario is it's blocked and returned because um, if it's blocked, there's really no safety net behind you. If they pick it up and score, that's that's it. Um, I still don't love the decision, but uh, I think that was the the concern rather than the miss, um, more the block worry. Yeah, and then also the message it sends, which we touched on too. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm concerned for this locker room and just in general where this team is headed. I think that best this is a five win team this year if we play the way we're playing. So my loser. Yeah. Let's are we? Any, anyone else want to chime in on this team and? <laughs> no all right i'm all good we covered it i think we we covered it pretty good let's let's move on to week four games of the week uh let's start off with a game that seems like it might not even happen but we can talk about it a little bit steelers at titans yeah uh for people that don't know that the titans had i think two players and five coaches test positive for three players three players three players uh yeah so they're they're all quarantined nobody's in the facility they're not practicing the Vikings have also shut down their facilities. They're not practicing because they played the Titans on Sunday. Um, so some really big ramifications that could trickle through the league pretty quickly, uh, especially schedule-wise. If you have to start canceling games, um, things could get very messy very quickly. Um, 
but uh, the Steelers are, are scheduled to go to, to Tennessee. We'll see if that actually happens or not. Uh, I, I am a little bit in doubt, as well as I think you guys probably are too. But if the game does happen, uh, I'm going to pick the Steelers either way. Um, I think the Steelers' defense is uh, championship caliber. I don't know if the offense is, but um, the Titans just haven't had very convincing wins on offense. They've, they've struggled a little bit. Um, and, you know, if if Deontay Johnson is out for the Steelers, that could be a, a point of concern. Um, but if they keep Henry in check, uh, A.J. Brown being out has really hurt the Titans. And I don't know if Tannehill has enough weapons outside to really keep pace with even a mediocre Steelers offense. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it makes a difference whether uh, this happened or not, this whole coronavirus uh, outbreak within the Titans organization. I have picked Steelers regardless. This game, I would be shocked if it happens. And if it does happen, then the Titans are at a disadvantage because they can't get into the facility until Saturday at the earliest. So that's just overwhelming evidence that Steelers will win this game. Uh, I got to score 27-24. Should be close because both teams have relatively good defenses. Uh, but Big Ben, I think, carries them regardless if Deontay Johnson plays or not. Yeah. They didn't mention which players contracted the virus, did they? They, they did. No. They, they, they actually did. It's uh, did. three scrubs. Okay. okay. All right. Well, One test everybody. Snapper, in. Though, so watch out for that. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Long snapping is harder than it looks, man. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Steelers as well. In this one, I think it'll be a close game. But really what I think plays in their favor is the Steelers have had the best run defense in the league through, through, game, through three games. Excuse me. Um, and it's by a large margin as well. They're, they're only allowing 54 yards per game on average uh, on the ground. So I think it, they're it, more well-equipped than any team to take away what the Titans like to do well, which is run the ball with Derrick Henry. And if you force the force Tannehill to make plays, I really think that's a recipe for success for the Steelers. So I'm going to say Steelers 20, Titans 17. It'll be a, it'll be a, a close game, but um, the Steelers' defense is ultimately what, what wins them the game. If it happens, of course. TBD. If it happens, um, big if. We'll keep a close eye on that and the implications throughout the rest of the league. I'm, maybe they even just pause NFL for one week. I don't know, but um, they'll eh. have to figure something else out. Depending on how many tests uh, come back positive, like on the Vikings, for instance, that could be a whole nother shitstorm. Yeah. Let's go for into sure. the second game. We got the Colts at the Bears, the three and O Bears. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm really not a fan of either of these teams, and uh, I just am not a believer in either of them. But you know, this is uh, this is really like Nick Foles' first real opportunity to have a solid starting job in quite some time. He had Week One with the the Jags last year, then broke his collarbone. He he got some spot duty, but you know, Gardner Minshew was always nipping at his heels. And I think now, like, the team is his. He just let it come back. Um, the Bears got a little bit of mojo going. And against my better judgment, I think I'm going to take the Bears. Um, you know, I, I'm i probably going to regret it. I'm going to get even further behind in the picks. <laughs> but uh, I just don't trust Rivers at this point. I, I don't think he's going to be able to pick out apart the Bears' defense. Um, and that defense has really kept them in games. Uh, they've come back twice now. They've got a little bit of that uh, it factor. 
Nick Foles looked good in relief against a, a really bad Falcons team, but you know they got some more juice when he came in. I love Jonathan Taylor and the Colts' offensive line. I just don't love much else with the Colts um, aside from that defense who played really, really well. Um, had a number of picks and safety and fumble recoveries against the Jets last week, but um, you know the Bears aren't uh, world beaters on offense, but they're not the Jets on offense. So I, I think it's going to be the Bears 24 over the Colts who score 20. I mean, the Colts looked so bad that week one loss against the Gardner Minshew Jaguars, but they've came back the last two weeks and played well. Yes, they did play the New York Jets last week, which is almost a guaranteed win at this point, but I think they continue that streak. I got them winning 28-24, and it won't be as close as it looks. I think the Bears make a kind of late push comeback to make it seem somewhat close, but the Bears just aren't that good, in my opinion. Uh, this will be a big breakout game for Jonathan Taylor. And Rivers, my boy, despite having a 3-3 three to three touchdown interception uh, total, he's completing 78% of his passes. So a lot of short passes, but that keeps the chains moving. That keeps the, the offense on the field and it gives the Colts the best chance to win. Uh, well, it won't be a pretty game, but uh, it'll be a good one. Be close at the end. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Durgan on this one, man. I th- I think uh, I think the Colts take this one. The Bears defense is not playing as well as people would expect. I mean, right now, through three games, they're 17th in, in rush defense. I'm predicting a big, big Jonathan Taylor game. I think 100 yards on the ground, maybe even 40, 50 through the air. Um, this is going to be sort of his, you know, statement game that he is uh, capable and elite back in this league. And uh, he'll get he'll get a lot of action this week, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm with you too, Casey, on this. Like, I don't, I don't really feel any type of way about either of these teams um bears could easily win it but i like what i've seen from the colts and i believe in frank reich as a head coach quite a bit i, I think i'm gonna go with the colts 27 bears 21 um but we'll see Foles is the unknown if he can play like he did at the end of the last game th- consistently throughout an entire four quarter game the bears could easily win this too i mean I, we don't know what Foles will get um and that'll be the x factor i think but just in general, I like what I've seen um, from Jonathan Taylor, and I'm expecting big things in this game specifically. So I think that kind of that kind of helps the Colts win by a score. Yeah, it's, it's all fair. It's a this was this was the most conflicted game for for me out of our selections. Yeah. I think. True, I agree. All right. Well, the next one we got. I'm a little conflicted about your take on this one, Casey. I'm surprised here, <laughs> but we got the Bills at the Raiders. What do you what do you got shaking out in this one? I know. I'm not, you know, I'm dipping the toe in some other bandwagons as far as the AFC I see goes. That. You know, I, I was all about the Raiders, and, uh, you know, they came out a little flat against New England. And uh, New England isn't, they're, they're good, but they're, they're not a juggernaut, especially on offense, um, that they used to be. And Darren Waller didn't look 100% right. And he didn't perform like he was 100% right. He got like one target or something like that and one catch. And uh, without him and without Ruggs being completely NFL ready to be a difference maker, stretching the field, like he's a great distraction and he can stretch and push, but he he hasn't made much of an impact by actually catching the ball yet. Um, So they're a little thin at the skill positions. Um, Josh Jacobs has taken a lot of carries already and he's a little beat up as well. Um, and while the Bills almost pulled a, 
a Shanahan and gave up a 28 to three lead to the Rams. Huh. Um, Josh, Josh Allen came through in the end and uh, they may have been helped by uh, a bad PI call, but I think their offense is just going to overmatch the Raiders defense. Um, I, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep pace, especially with those injuries. And uh, I'm going to go with the bills 30 to 20 over the Raiders. Finally, Low. you see the light and you see how bad the Raiders are. <laughs> They're not bad. I just uh, think the Bills bad. are better. They're bad. They're not. They're not bad. I got Bills thirty-eight, Raiders twenty-four. Uh, Josh Allen, besides Russell Wilson, might be the MVP through the first three games in the whole league. He looks incredible. The running game still hasn't gone going yet, and the Raiders' defense isn't good. Very, very bad actually. So they'll be able to get that running game going. Josh Allen will have a huge game. Captain Checkdown Derek Carr will struggle as the McDermott-led. Defense of the Bills is solid. I mean, they gave up the huge lead at the end, obviously, to the Rams. For the most part, they're very well-disciplined. Taco well. Got Tredavious White. I'm a big fan of the Bills. I think they might be a uh, the one team that could get uh, to AFC Championship game besides the Ravens and or the Chiefs. So I think this will be a, quite an easy win for them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the opposite of both of you on this one. You know, I didn't quite hop off that bandwagon so quick like Casey. I didn't just immediately <laughs> jump off first sign of uh, anything bad happening in Raider Nation. I think well, this is a good team that they're going against. It is a good team, but so are the Patriots. I mean, not the normal Patriots we're used to, but Bill Belichick is one of the best defensive head coaches ever. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. I wouldn't read too much into the Raiders' struggles against the Patriots um, moving forward. I think while the Bills are a good team and you know they're a solid defense. They've had a few concerning signs. I mean, against the Rams, they almost lost that. And I don't know that. Um, I don't know that the Raiders play as poorly. I think Bill Belichick did a phenomenal job taking Darren Waller out of the game. He's really good at finding, you know, the cog that get, gets the machine running on a team and eliminating that. Um, it's it's won him Super Bowls year after year, and and he did that to the Raiders. Basically, Darren Waller was a non-factor. I think we see. I think we see him come back, and I think we see Josh Allen kind of, kind of come back to earth a little bit. He's been playing out of his mind. I don't know that that continues on the same. I mean, he's not. He's talented, but he's not Russell Wilson. You know, he's not these players that we've seen do it week in, week out, year over year. Um, so I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a close game, but I have a little faith in the Raiders pulling this out. I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a big impact. Whereas you look at the Bills, and they're not rushing the ball well at all. You expected Zach Moss to come out and maybe have the starting job at some point, and he's not doing anything. He was out for a game or two. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick with Raiders on this one. I'm going to go Raiders 30, Bills 27. I think this will be a sneaky, exciting game, and people won't see it coming as much, but I think this will be a fun one. Casey might have to give your uh, shoulder pads with the spikes on them and your war paint to Cyrus this week as he takes <laughs> yeah. over the Raider Nation uh, bandwagon. Yeah, I'll send it over. I'm not. I'm holding on to him. I'm just, you know, taking a little. I want to smash some tables or jump on some tables this there week. There you so go, mafia, Bills. Bills Mafia, yeah. baby. Yeah. Bills Mafia. Hey, whatever. You know what? Don't show your face in the black hole ever again. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let's move on. We just talked about the Patriots from the Raiders game last week. This week we got the Patriots at the Chiefs. I have a feeling we're all sort of in alignment here, but let's run through this real quick. Who who do you guys got um, in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, even though Bill Belichick will try to scheme his his way out of uh, you know getting rid of the cog that makes the the team go, um, unfortunately, there's too many cogs for the Chiefs, and uh, you can't really stop Mahomes, and he makes the th- the whole thing go. 
Uh, I think there's just too many weapons, especially with a lot of the Pats opt-outs. Um, you know, they're going to struggle a little bit on defense. And the Chiefs defense played really, really well against the Ravens. So I, I just don't see the Pats having enough weapons to be able to score against them. And I don't see them being able to stop the Chiefs offense. So I'm going with the Chiefs in a somewhat of a blowout here. Uh, 38 to 21 over the Patri- Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I agree the Chiefs will win, but I think it'd be close. I got a 31 to 30. The P- Chiefs are a much more talented team. But once again, they're giving Bill Belichick and the Patriots an extra day to prepare. The Chiefs coming off a very emotional win. That has to play some sort of factor in this game, I believe. Gilmore with Shadow, Shadow Hill. Kyle Duggar, the X-Factor against Kelsey. They should line up against each other. I still think the Chiefs' offense is too explosive. But who knows with Cam Newton? They ran the ball very well last week. If they can keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, they got a chance to pull off the upset. Yeah. Eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think honestly the Pats won't be able to keep pace even if even if their defense does decently uh, the Chiefs will just just score too many points for the Pats to keep up. Um, I you know th- this team made the Ravens look like the Jets the other night and and it's it's going to be extremely difficult to stop this team. I mean you take one thing away and Patrick Mahomes finds another guy downfield or he, or Clyde Edwards-Helaire busts off a 15-yard run or a 15-yard reception and it's just it's tough to to constantly have a drive sustained every single time the Chiefs are on the field and it seems like it seems like they'd never punt almost. I mean it's it's a rough situation to be in and Bill Belichick being as good as he is, you know, he may be able to keep it close, but I just I think it's too much just talent, you know, comparing talent to talent. If Bill Belichick had the Raider the or excuse me, the Ravens defense, maybe, you know, we would have seen something different on Monday night, but this team while it's this while it's a good defense is not the same defense that we we were used to seeing uh last year even. So, I I think I I mean, you can't pick against the Chiefs in this situation. You can't. And I think the Chiefs come out and continue the way they're playing and and uh kind of blow them out a little bit. 44 they score 44, and the Pats, I'm going to say, score 30. Um, Chiefs take this one by two touchdowns. Let's move on to the next game. This the main one, event. Uh, Let's the go. The main event, I guess. That's not the toilet bowl, is it? No? <laughs> should oh, be. Okay. Should be. It could, it could be. It might be. Uh, we got the Eagles at the 49ers. I'm sad because prior to the season starting, or I guess prior to the pandemic starting, I should say, I was really excited to potentially go to this game. Uh, in person since it's, it's at uh, Levi's but obviously that is not going to happen now but let's talk about this one what do we uh I mean I guess we should talk about it I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh you know I really wanted to pick the Eagles in this game just because I feel like I just have a feeling that they might uh surprise a couple people here and uh make some things happen but I I if Jimmy and Kittle can go, I don't think it's going to be very close. If they can't, I think it'll be a good, tight game. Um, the 49ers are beat up, and Debo might be back. He might not. Um, it'll all just hinge on Carson Wentz. And if he can make plays, then the the Eagles will have a shot. And uh, if he can't, then they won't. And it's really kind of as simple as that. And... Because of that, I trust the 49ers team as a whole more than I trust Carson Wentz as an individual. I don't think that the Eagles have enough pieces outside of him to uh, help him win games if he's not on. So because of that, I'm going to take the 49ers 27-19 to 19 over the Eagles. <sighs> as a big J journalist, I have to go with the Niners. As a Niners fan, 
I do not think they win this game. They'll still be banged up. Kittle, I think if anybody has the best chance to be back. I don't think Jimmy comes back. I think they'll take one more week based on how Mullins performed last week. But now you have Emmanuel Mosley, their corner out. The fact that the Eagles are traveling to the West Coast, I'm a big coast-to-coast guy and how that affects teams, but it's a late game. So that's not going to be as big of an issue, I believe. And also, I can't see the Eagles to start this season 0-3-1. They're overdue for a win. Wentz will bounce back against a very bad Niners secondary. And Peterson, much better coach than Joe Judge in terms of exploiting matchups. Niners play hard. They just aren't healthy at this point. If they can survive this game, then their long-term prognostic, I think, looks really good. Because it's a huge game for them, especially on Sunday Night Football. But at the end of the day, I don't think Nick Mullins plays as well as he did. So, who knows? I mean, I have 28-27 because I'm a big J journalist and I have to go with the Niners. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Eagles won. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to come down to injuries and who plays and who doesn't. I mean, both of these teams are banged up, man. Like, both teams have pretty substantial injuries. The Niners just have more uh, at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, you know, you're missing... Potentially QB1, RB1, RB2, CB2, D, DN1, DN2, maybe short, t- tight end one, tight end two. Yep. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Like, there's a lot of players that are key contributors on this Niners team that are potentially not going to play. And if that happens, I think this is going to be a pretty closely contested uh, game. Um, and the only way, you know, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play, if Raheem Moser doesn't play, if all these key players don't play, and if Debo Samuel's not back, um, the only way the Eagles lose this is if Carson Wentz hands them the game on a silver platter, which he has been doing the past few games. So if the Eagles turn the ball over the way they have been at the same rate, you know, interceptions, fumbles, whatever it may be, they won't win this game. I mean, Nick Mullins is a backup, but he's a good backup. I mean, he played well. He's probably he a little overhyped by most Niner fans, which is fine. Yes, you know, 100%. you like to hype up your own players. But he he played well. He's a game manager. He did a good job managing the game. Um, if Carson Wentz just plays adequately and doesn't turn the ball over, you know, puts two hands on it when he's getting sacked or throws it away so he doesn't even get sacked, then I think the Eagles have a shot to win this game. Um, we'll see. Somebody needs to show up. Hopefully, Rager is back. Hopefully we get uh, some some key contributors back. Hopefully we decide to run the ball with Miles Sanders when it's working instead of 40, throwing the ball forty times. Even though Miles Sanders has a five point four yards per carry, you know there's just some things that this coaching staff needs to look at. And if they adjust and and, and uh, especially make in game adjustments, I think the Eagles could definitely win this game. But um, if the Niners were at full strength, I think this is a blowout on the other side. So Agreed. I'm I'm thinking, you know, this this mass amount of injuries that has happened to the Niners plays favorably for the Eagles and makes it a potentially close matchup. And, uh, you know, this is a team with its back against the wall at this point. They have nothing to lose. You know, I, I think if they lose this game, you lose the season uh, at this point, you know. So I think they're going to come out and there's going to be some fire. And, you know, we're going to see that the that's either going to play out in their favor or... Uh, or it could be the opposite. But I'm going to pick the Eagles 30, 49ers 27. Could easily see it going the other way as well, but I cannot pick against the Eagles at this point, and I need to, uh, for my sanity, continue to uh, hope that they can win a game at least. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. This will be a fun one. 
excited to be able to watch the game on local television instead of trying to find some bootleg stream to watch <laughs> it on, which is so annoying that the NFL doesn't make it a little easier for me or anyone who has an out-of-market team to enjoy football, but that is a whole other story. All right, that could have been the toilet bowl, but it is not. We have another game that is even more of a toilet bowl than that last game, and it is the Broncos at the Jets. I know. Womp, Contain womp. your excitement. It's it's <laughs> it's amazing. We're gonna dive into it. A lot of storylines here. Uh, Casey, take us take us away. Who do you think takes this game? Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. The Broncos are bad, and the Jets are even worse. Uh, the Colts Colts defense scored more points against the the Jets than the Jets scored. So, uh, you know the the offense is bad. Uh, there's rumors that Gase is going to be fired if they lose. Uh, this is a Thursday night game. Um, the defense can't stop a nosebleed for the Jets, and the offensive line is a wet bag. You know, Frank Gore is the only bright spot in the turd that is the New York Jets. And while the Broncos are beat up too, um, they I think they have just a little bit more than the Jets do, and the Broncos are going to win twenty to six. Yeah, I, I mean, both these teams suck. I got Jets seventeen, Broncos fourteen. Uh, I want to pick a tie, to be honest, but I'm trying to win this crown for our best record on the podcast. <laughs> uh, don't watch this game. Do yourself a favor. Found out beforehand that Brett Rippon will be starting for the Broncos. Uh, to be honest, I've never heard of him, so that's not good. Uh, maybe James Crowder comes back, has a big game for the Jets. Sam Darnold plays for Adam Gase, even though he shouldn't be. He should be trying to lose. Uh, yeah, go for a walk, bike ride, anything but watch this game. I'm with that. I probably won't. Maybe if there is a touchdown, there may not be. If there is a touchdown in this game, then they'll see it on red zone. But uh, otherwise, uh, not planning to actively watch this. I think, man, I, I, won't, I won't elaborate too much on it, but I think the Broncos just have a little bit more talent, even though they have some injuries. Um, you know, I, I would like to see Jerry Judy kind of have an impact in this game. But I got to pick the Broncos 14, Jets 13. The Jets are just in the worst position I think any team has really ever been in. Uh, it's unfortunate. Adam Gase will be fired after this game. Um, calling it, he, he's definitely going to get fired. Hopefully, new regime will start and uh, probably interim. To be honest, as they tank in the next season, they'll they'll find a, a, a head coach that that can uh, probably maybe uh, a little Trevor Lawrence action in uh, New York. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, let's wrap things up there. Unless you guys have any final thoughts you wanted to chime in with. Nope. All good. All righty. Nope. That is going to do it on episode 58 of the Weekly Power. Thank you so much for sticking with us and tuning in. It was a blast recapping week three and kind of diving into some of the games of the week for week four. Uh, We will do the same next week. Uh, Before we head out, I want to give my co-hosts a chance to plug any of the newest content that they're creating. Casey, you mentioned it a little bit. Um, How concerned should I be? What are we we looking forward to here with this Eagles video? Uh, Well, it's not a puff piece. I'll, I'll tell you that. Right. Um, <laughs> there, there's some things to be worried about, but if you're interested in seeing uh, a more complete picture of what's going on with Carson Wentz and not just mechanically what's going on with him, but maybe a little bit of his reads and uh, some more cerebral things that he's got to take uh, account for, um, like changing up his, his snap count, stuff as simple as that, um, he's having a little bit of an issue with. So if you're, if you're interested in seeing that whole picture, um, go check out youtube.com slash weeklyspiral. Nice. There you go. What about you, Durgan? Uh, Caleb Fairley scouting report, future first-round cornerback, formerly a Virginia Tech Hokie, but now he's opted out. Check it out. 
Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to both of those. This has been a weekly Sprout production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you again for sticking with us. We are really excited to be covering the NFL season, as rocky as it may be for some of us. Uh, And we look forward to episode 59 next week, and we will see you then.